0: Hey, did somebody call for backup? What's up, Prodigies, and welcome back to Call for Backup, a Prodigal Son podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Make sure to be on your best behavior, or else, as we discuss season two, episode five of Prodigal Son. If you're not caught up, this is your big spoiler warning. Come listen to us once you've watched on Fox Now or Hulu. At the taping of this episode, the final two episodes of season one are expiring, So make sure to check them out on Fox now before they're gone. And the first five episodes of season two are now on Hulu. Joining me this week are several of our Nerds and Beyond Writing team. But first, let me introduce myself. If you don't already know, I'm Kaylee and I'm a staff writer at Nerds. You can find me on social media at Kaylee Gross. For this episode, I am joined by Brianna, Julia, and my co-host Jules. So thank you guys for joining this week. Kennedy is providing a quick recap of the episode. Jules will be leading the discussion of our favorite noteworthy moments and helping to discuss our theories. And of course, we'll have our weekly Malcolm Danger Count led by myself and Jules. But don't worry, I'll end the episode with a nice dose of reflection the week ahead with the motivational affirmation or quote. Before we begin, I'll let the other staff members introduce themselves and explain what they do for nerds.
1: I'm Brianna, an editor, and you can find me on Twitter at bookbag09. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am a writer, editor, and content assistant at Nerves and Beyond.
2: And I'm Jules, I am an editor, writer, and content assistant, and you can find me on Twitter at Blog.
3: This week on Particle Sun, the team chases a serial killer obsessed with perfection in each of their victims, Who were previously debutantes at Windsor Etiquette School. This just so happens to be where Ainsley went to school and she gets in on the race to catch the killer, becoming downright competitive with Malcolm. After several twists and some very creepy dolls, the case ends with the killer, Miss Windsor's own secret daughter, trying to kill Ainsley. Ainsley's attitude toward the case throughout the episode has everyone, including Gil, worried about her. Everyone except Martin, that is, He's just a little too proud of her murder and subsequent ambition on this particular case. With nowhere else to turn, Jessica visits Martin twice to discuss Ainsley and Malcolm, and they even come to an agreement at the end of the episode. We also discover the final outcome for JT. With Gil's backup, JT makes the choice to drop any charges against the cop who racially profiled and assaulted him. Be sure to check out our in-depth recap on nerdsandbeyond.com for all the details. Now onto our discussion okay
2: so moving into some of the moments from the episode that we want to highlight our reactions i mean there was a lot to unpack this week so we're going to kind of take it as we usually do from the smaller moments that we loved up through the big moments that we got to talk about and we have got a large theory section today because what the heck was that trailer for next week (laughs) oh my god oh my gosh so much to talk about so starting off with one of our funny little moments. This is a moment that I've been waiting for since we did our interview with the showrunners and they teased that there would be a scene where Adresa pulls an all-nighter. And we finally got that scene, (laughs) Idrisa, on so much caffeine throughout the episode. I I mean, what did you guys think? I I was uh, relatable, I was laughing.
0: Yeah, I feel her on so many levels. Like every (laughs) college kid was like, I've done that before. I'm like, they're like, I feel you, girl. Um, I always think she brings a a sunshine happiness to the show that's, for the most part, kind of dark and, you know, um, serious and intense. So I always appreciate her scenes. And again, she killed it, of course. Uh, No surprises there.
3: So I really enjoyed it. I love them joking about her walking around the precinct trying to bring her heart rate down because she's downed so much caffeine that she's... (laughs) basically messed up her own heart now while she's trying to calm down and ends up in the way she just crawls onto the table and is like, run it by me, I'll help. Like she she doesn't have any training in doing any kind of detective work. (laughs) And it was just her own fun, quirky, little tidbits of information she keeps in her head that ended up helping him have a big breakthrough and probably saved Ainsley's life. Mm -hmm. So I love when she gets little moments like that.
2: And speaking of little moments too, when she has that moment, it was a blink and you'll miss it thing and this is part of the genius of this character when she tries to catch the pencil when she flips it and just completely misses and it's so quick but it's so hilarious
1: yeah that's what I was gonna say was the pencil because she does it I just feel like she does it without noticing that she did it but totally played it off when she knew she didn't catch it it was just so it was like the cherry on top
0: I wonder if that was planned like I wonder if she was supposed to catch it and then didn't. And they're like, well, we're going to keep that because it's just perfect for her <laughs> character. I'm really curious to know.
2: I'll have to tweet at her. We'll see. I'm sure she did that on purpose. Part- Being the comedic actress that she is, I'm sure she had a lot of that, like the mannerisms and everything down because it was just really perfect. And and I do worry for her heart rate though because <laughs> I mean, as a nurse person, I was watching the amount of caffeine she was consuming this episode. And, you know, it's just an awful lot. No one needs that many four logos.
3: Nobody needs any four locos. I remember in college and oh my God, those things wreck you. She is correct.
2: I remember having a discussion in our middle school auditorium where our principal told us very seriously at the age of 13 that we should never try a four loco because you would just die on the spot instantly. So every time I see four loco, I'm transported back to being 13 years old again. So after that moment, one thing that we definitely need to discuss because it sort of resolved the storyline apparently this week is what happened with JT and his union rep. We've been talking over the last few episodes about the incident earlier in the season where JT's racially profiled at work um, and he's been kind of wrestling with the decision about what to do about Mm -hmm. it since then. We had a few episodes where it wasn't as much of a discussion because unfortunately Frank Hartz, who's the actor who plays JT had to quarantine. Um, So they did have to write that out of a few episodes. But this week, he meets with the union rep, and he kind of comes to a decision um, about what he's going to do. I don't know, what did you guys think of that moment as a resolution for that arc?
1: I don't actually think it's the end of it. um, Because they were making like this big deal about how, well, if JT turns in this guy, then he gets suspended along with the cop, even though he did nothing wrong. So I feel like even though JT was able to stand up for himself in that moment, it's going to come back and get him. Whether it's him getting suspended ultimately or, you know, just like that cop making his life hell, I don't think it's completely over.
3: I kind of had that worry too about, okay, JT said he doesn't want to move forward with anything, but is that cop going to come back and be like, well, technically you assaulted me too and try and turn it around on him. I just, it felt, I liked the line The way Frank Hartz plays JT, it was very, he's not a very wordy character. And the quote, I even wrote it down. The quote, that hatred you feel is poison. I'm not going to let it poison my life too. It was so impactful the way he did it. And I thought it was really good.
0: I thought it was, again, like kind of piggybacking off of Brianna. I also thought it was very powerful. It's something that I think is so prevalent in our world right now. And I think to see it displayed on the screen so beautifully um done I just am in awe and I agree Frank Hart's just killed that scene and his statement was like you said it's not so wordy but it did its job you know what I mean um
3: so it's true to the character it's true to what he would say Mm -hmm. and I he's not like Malcolm where he talks constantly
0: right right Mm -hmm. and I I agree with you Julia and Rihanna I don't think they're done yet um I feel like something's gonna happen um but I hope that You know as we saw gail had his back um and so did malcolm and then when he's like you know if we do it i could be suspended malcolm's like you didn't do anything so it's just unfortunately it's just real life sometimes and that's it's crazy to see but i
2: think they handled it very well i hope this isn't the last we see of it too because i do think that they've kind of teased a few times that because he that also wasn't the only incident that he experienced right the a few episodes after that they're calling for backup and backup doesn't come for him. Mm -hmm. And they kind of left open the question of whether that was retaliation for complaining about the first incident. Mm -hmm. They sort of didn't say whether it was a mistake, quote unquote mistake, or whether it was more intentional than that. Um, But it definitely seems like something that they're going to keep dealing with. I hope, I hope they keep dealing with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I like too, that they have his team just so behind him. Like, like I know that regardless his team would have backed him up anyway but it seems like this is something that even if it puts their jobs in jeopardy too they're still going to fight for JT and just like you know be like no this isn't this isn't okay this is our our teammate we're going to protect him at all costs.
3: Going off of that I like that we kind of see a different side of Gil with this whole situation. Mm -hmm. He's usually very kind of calm and collected albeit he loses his at Malcolm here and there, but he (laughs) was a whole other level of protective with JT and like, he is not going to stand for any of this. And I thought that was really great that he wasn't, you know, just, Oh, let it go. It happens. Yeah.
0: I mean, as it should be, you know, they should be, that's how everything should be. Like, that's how, you know, in our world, that's how it should be. People should have, you know, their comrades back like that. Um, Especially in a situation such as, you know, being discriminated against and, in such a way like especially for a cop like any cop they put their lives on the line so they should have each other's backs regardless
2: yeah absolutely and kind of moving into the next big plot thread of the week which is that jessica has now had a little bit more time to come to terms with what's been going on with Ainsley. And she's um not handling it well, um, <laughs> which is might be expected. Um, and so we have this little Jessica Martin face-off because Martin wants a mini-me. He wants a little mini serial killer of his own. And he thinks Ainsley's the ticket to that. And Jessica would like the exact opposite of that and would love it if she could just wrap Ainsley in bubble wrap for the rest of her life. So what did you guys think of their dynamic this episode? Because it's rare that they sort of team up at all especially with regards to their kids I love it I just love
0: Bellamy and and Michael they kill every scene they're in together just because they have Mm -hmm. such great chemistry and they and they display this dynamic on screen that's just you can't tear your eyes away from it it's just so interesting I think the scene is it was almost comical to me how she's like well (laughs) I'm gonna take her away he's like you can't it's not like a coke habit like you can (laughs) like just go to rehab and come back and be like now you're not a killer um But I'm curious to see how Jessica's behavior changes around Ainsley. Because I feel like it kind of already has a little bit, like, subtly. But Ainsley's picking up on things. She's not stupid. Like, she's smart. She reports and finds things for a living. So
2: I feel like pretty soon this whole thing is going to just hit the fan. And it's not funny, but it was funny to me. The way Bellamy played her anxiety Mm-hmm. Of her just being like this hovering person. Like you can see it in her face in every scene that she had with Ainsley. Even when Ainsley's working the case and she comes downstairs, she's like, So, like what are you up to?
3: <laughs> like it was just it fall? was very funny.
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
3: And the way they talk about it, I don't know. I feel like Malcolm is still very much like this was a one-off thing, but both um Jessica I almost said Bellamy, both <laughs> Jessica and Martin. It's almost like they expect her to now be a serial killer the way they're treating it as like she did it intentionally and on purpose. And it wasn't like a hardcore, like self-defense disassociation the way it was, maybe because they weren't there to see it happen. I feel like that probably brings it to a whole other level. But I mean, the way Martin talks about it is like he's just expecting it to happen again. And she's doing everything in her power to keep it from happening again when, I mean, I guess maybe that has to do more with her backstory of seeing how she was as a child. And maybe that's coming out more now.
0: I, Kind of just want to mention Bellamy's line where she's like, "I promise, no stabbies." Like, I. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. So hard. Yes. I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was so funny. She's like, "Mr. David," you know. She's like, pray, I, I promise. Try to kill him this time. Don't worry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just I half <laughs> expected her to hand her purse over and be like, "Here, you can take the bag. All
0: right here, you can do a, you know a search. It's fine. He's fine. You know, whatever."
2: <laughs> Mr. David, truly the most underpaid individual. Him and Martin. Him and Malcolm's therapist. See that. That it's time number seven now where I've referred to Malcolm and Martin as different people than they actually are. But um, yeah, no, the therapist and Mr. David both deserve enormous raises for putting up with everything that they put up with, with the Whitley family, for sure. I think it's interesting too, that Malcolm kind of, in a way, this episode is very strange with Ainsley. Um, For a man who's fascinated with murder and has openly admitted that solving murders is, basically therapy for him and something that he considers to be helpful in his life for him to kind of be like, oh you enjoy reporting on this murder trial you enjoy it's like of course she does she's your sister you like being at crime scenes. How is that any different but it's kind of that example of the whole family sort of waiting for her to go off again where Ainsley's just blissfully unaware and continuing to live her life as though that never
3: happened I just want to say I like that she called him out on it mm mm-hmm. in the interrogation room of like you do this all the time and why is it suddenly weird when I want to investigate the the murder and I want to get to the bottom of this like it's not all that different true she didn't have the same training but it's the same behavior I agree Brianna and
0: I mean it's not like well I think the reason why they're acting like that is because she actually killed somebody (laughs) and then then treating her differently is what's going to make her suspicious like hello don't treat her any differently but I mean I I'm not in the situation, so I don't know how I would act when I knew that my- You've never had a daughter kill somebody? What? I thought for sure you would know what that felt like. <laughs> right? And her divorce from a serial killer? Yeah. <laughs> I've lived a long life in my 22 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just think that ne- they need to treat her, either treat her the same or tell her the truth. Because at this point, she's going to find out anyway. And I feel like she's just going to be more devastated that- They've all been lying to her and you sound like Martin. Just tell her the truth. She'll be fine. (laughs) Well, honestly, but like, I don't know if she'll be fine, but at least she won't feel like she's in the dark. You know what I mean? Like at least when she knows once she knows she can deal with it, you know, whether that's taking some time off, going to therapy. I, I mean, I don't know. Um clearly I've never killed anybody. Um don't know how that <laughs> coping mechanism would be.
2: Don't know. She just no? wants to put that understand? out there on the mic <laughs> that she's never killed anybody just in case, you know, the okay. FBI is
3: listening.
2: Yeah. We got to put that out there. Oh my god. <laughs> At I mean, the time of
3: this before. recording, she's never killed.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. The FBI is going to be like,
0: "Um excuse me, ma'am We heard your podcast." "I'm
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, sir." "We have a few questions we need to ask you." criminal mind cross. no and it, and it's exactly what we talked about last week too about her being an investigator by nature she pulls at right. loose threads that's what she right. does and so and does we Mal- already see her doing that yeah and that's their instinct to do it right so the fact that you think that you're going to keep something from her like she's going to figure out even if she doesn't think she did it when all of this starts getting kicked up about endicott you know what i mean like she's going to start having these memories again and malcolm
0: even said when um martin was like oh your mother came by um to talk about Ainsley the thing with Ainsley because he's trying to hide it in front of Mr. David which I thought was also hilarious (laughs) Mr. Um, David knows let's just be straight he absolutely
2: knows and he's choosing to
0: ignore it (laughs) I I just wonder the thoughts he's like they keep talking in code and I definitely know what Ainsley did um (laughs) but Martin said "Well, because Malcolm's like oh because she's your daughter he's like no which kind of I was like oh my adoption theory but um (laughs) but whoops (laughs) right I know I was like oh he said she's not his daughter but he was saying no she's like her mother in how her like determination is and her like you know her drive so that's something to think about too that um I almost said Bellamy too Brianna um that Jessica (laughs) that Jessica thinks that Martin is solely to blame for her being a killer but Ainsley's more like Jessica in her like I said her her drive to do things her determination and her her need for, to know and find the answers to things
2: absolutely and we'll talk a little bit more about Ainsley later in the episode because we have got so many theories about her and there's a lot going on for Ainsley right now so one many. thing we definitely want to address for sure though is this case of the week which like no I am I am a not a fan of creepy dolls never happened. or I never will be or eyeballs either the am really not a, a great one. episode <laughs> It was For that. If, if you have eyeball problems, <laughs> it was a very sketchy episode. But it was also, I mean, the amount of twists and turns and I, nobody was who we thought that they were. I mean, what did you guys think of the actual case itself this week? I mean,
0: I just have to say the eyeball part where Idrisa's um, like, oh, she like taps it. I was like, oh, oh, I was <laughs> just like Gil. I was like, oh do we have to do we have to can you just come on um I thought it was interesting to see kind of a different side of Ainsley how when she was meeting with the the dean of the etiquette school I don't know what that's called um she like changed like her posture she changed how like her verbiage how she was talking um so it just kind of I just like kind of seeing more of Ainsley's background like we saw some pictures um the doll thing was definitely creepy you know, kind of. I had to watch something mm-hmm. funny before I went to sleep last night, um, <laughs> but I I thought it was kind of a, a like a different story for this show. But I kind of enjoyed it how they kind of went
3: off the rails a little bit. If that makes sense. So, I like how they went. What can we do more than just put Malcolm in danger? Let's do it twice. And they have her like <laughs> about to blow up the house, which at first I just thought she was trying to do like a suicide thing like breathing the gas right but then she matches out and it's like oh no it's so much worse oh no so worse. <laughs> it's like they're trying to up themselves and it's like i love you writers but you don't need to do that what <laughs> is it enough
2: i definitely did not see gigantic explosion coming i also nope. didn't see i didn't see it coming that it was going to be a secret daughter i just thought that she was like her little hench person i didn't really think of it as like a familial relationship i mean i had to rewatch that part a couple of times to even understand i was like wait that's her daughter? Okay, like got it. It took a second, but yeah, that explosion came out of nowhere. I was not expecting it.
0: I tweeted it out like 2 seconds before I saw it happen on screen where I was like <laughs> Rachel's the daughter on my Twitter. I was like I I called it. And then 2 seconds later I was like, "Oh, called it, <laughs> knew it." Um just because how she was talking and she like how could I fall in love with a man, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, that makes sense. And, and then Malcolm's like, whose room is this, Rachel? I'm like, Oh, it's her room. She lives there. She's a the daughter. Like that's how quickly in my brain it like connected. Um, yeah, definitely wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting it, but when I figured it out, then I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, I do want to mention though, cause I'm a, I would not call myself a aficionado, but I really have an admiration for like really cool camera shots. Um, really? And I- you? Really? Well, um, <laughs> I just, I just appreciate how much effort they put into it. I I can imagine, or honestly, I can't imagine how hard it is to put those scenes together like that. Um, and how much dedication it takes so I really appreciate it I loved like the fire and like how you still saw her face it was like slow motion but like just oh like even talk about it, I'm like oh it just
3: like gives me chills <laughs> I love it I love it don't forget the music if oh, you're yeah. a camera person I'm a music yes. person <laughs> I, I had I, you know I tweeted that too it was just like the mm-hmm. score for this episode was so good yeah, the way always it was always so perfect. good it was so great
0: yeah. And like one didn't outshine the other. Like they blended perfectly together. That like the whole scene was just magnificent. And then another scene I liked that wasn't really like it was kind of towards like when JT like linebacked that the suspect. He just freaking tackled them. <laughs> um at one point it kind of went slow motion and then like the doll pieces like kind of flew in slow so motion. Scary. Like, that's cool. Um I, I just have, like I said, an appreciation. And I'll stop with my spiel.
2: That's it. <laughs> I'm sure it was a cool shot. I had my hands covering my eyes though, because I don't like dolls. <laughs> so that whole scene really. You don't wasn't like good seeing flying doll parts? Weird. No, I could live without it. Actually, Kaylee, <laughs> thank you for offering that.
1: Noted. <laughs> um, I'm gonna completely side rail from the camera and music work here. This is um, a side I- rail podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Like the main um. Like the, the dean of the debutante school, like the way she just gradually went, like she just kind of like spiraled. The more you get into the episode, like she started as like this very prim and proper, like manners above all else kind of person. And then by the time Malcolm had like closed in on her, she was just completely losing her mind. She blows herself up. And like, it's interesting because I thought you could really see like, how important the school was to her and how important these girls' affection for her was by the time she had gotten found out. I just, I thought she was a really well-done character this episode. Mm
0: -hmm. I think she's very complex, too. Like, I think Mm. she treated her own daughter so badly because she felt bad about herself. Um, Like, you know, letting, because she's supposed to be this great example for young ladies, and she's the one that got tricked into falling in love and having a baby. And, um, but I agree, like, she I think Jules you tweeted it actually like she went zero to 100 real quick real <laughs> quick. <laughs> quick she went from like what you said prime and proper to blowing herself up like literally in the <laughs> span of five minutes um like I said she's really complex and I when Malcolm was like don't close the door on a guest I was like oh no he Whoa, snap. Was I a I him. Oh snap I, but, I mean and he just knew he's like you know you you invite me in or something you know he went on this tangent about manners and stuff I was like oh he didn't just like oh he he and does it. he
3: just know all of that stuff because of being part of you know upper society or did oh, he, he does. go to the finishing school do they teach this at boys school <laughs> how does he know all of the little you don't close the door you can show me to the door forcefully but you can't push me out it like <laughs> yeah I want to know I need all this knowledge between that and ballet and sword fighting I just I, I know <laughs> what doesn't he know I need mean, one episode where he just doesn't know anything.
0: He definitely like, went to child school. <laughs> many wonders of Malcolm Bright. <laughs>
3: yeah, right. The most interesting man in the world.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually more Martin, to be fully honest, in terms of life lived. Because Martin grew up, like, I. I that's another thing we kind of want to see, I feel like, is the origin of him, not just as a serial killer, because we've sort of seen the beginnings of that, but also just mm-hmm. as a person. Like, what was he like when he was younger, before he became a serial killer
0: yeah kind of his like
2: his origin story yeah for sure and speaking of origin stories this episode we are getting more and more of baby Ainsley which I think is going to be very important going forward and we kind of got our first introduction to her hiding in that clock for hours on end and scaring her parents and it's interesting because it really illustrates one of the big themes of the episode which is how competitive not only Ainsley is as a person herself, but also between her and Malcolm, because in that moment, she didn't care about anything else other than beating her brother and winning hide and seek. And we see that come out later on in the episode
3: when she's investigating a murder. So I feel like that really, I can't decide if it's because children can kind of be little psychopaths sometimes, but the way like, you know, that Jessica had to have been at some point running around that house, basically crying, screaming, Mm -hmm. trying to find her child. And she just stood there in the clock, like no empathy, no like, okay, mom's upset. I need to come out now. Like kids usually look to their parents for the emotional responses and react to that very viscerally and nothing, nothing from her. Clearly it was fun. I won. It's a little creepy.
0: I agree, Brianna. I think, I think when they reveal more of her childhood, I think we'll start to see more of that um, determination, that drive, that she got from jessica come out in her childhood but differently and i think they think of somebody that's a serial killer has to you know like you know there's like the three like signs like they hurt animals they like bedwetting and then something else um arson yeah you shouldn't be disturbed by how quickly i knew that answer but yeah you know i knew two of them so we're on the same (laughs) same wavelength jules um but she didn't i don't think she showed those signs like she didn't have the like she didn't really have any really evident trauma like malcolm did so they weren't really worried about her but we know now that the the person that ended up killing indica was her so it's just interesting i'm curious to see how her childhood plays out and how it really affected her because she even said you know he was my dad too like i also have a serial killer father and it affected me too so Mm -hmm. we're i'm curious to see how
3: much And I've, I've listened, this is going to shock you. I've listened to podcasts on psychopathy and stuff before, and they talk about how it's, it's varying degrees. It's not a hard and fast, Mm -hmm. like, and here's the switch over and you're definitely a hardcore psychopath. So I wonder if she's going to have a little bit of like Martin psychopathy, but Mm -hmm. you know, just because you have, this doesn't mean you're a serial killer. Like lots of people have that, you Mm know, no empathy, all of the symptoms, Mm -hmm. side effects, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Of psychopathy but don't actually kill people with it yeah so i wonder if that's kind of where it's headed of like she just sort of snapped but that's not her nature she's just actually very very good at turning the feelings off
2: Mm -hmm. well she can channel it into and it's funny because martin in a way did the same thing until he presumably Mm -hmm. started killing which is that she and he both have ambitions that they channel into their careers he Mm -hmm. was an incredibly successful doctor you know, he was called the surgeon for his crimes, but he was also very, very good at what he did. And Ainsley is a very, very good reporter. And it's a similar thing. They both have that instinct. What I thought was interesting, Kaylee, when you brought up the line where she was saying, I was the daughter of a serial killer too. Mm -hmm. And even that little line where you kind of find out that she might not have had such a great time in charm school because of what Martin did. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like when she was a kid, she wasn't allowed the space to have grief or anger over what her Mm -hmm. father did because it was like she wasn't affected. So it's like, well, you can't be vocal about how you feel because we're busy taking care of Malcolm over here. And imagine being told your whole childhood and your whole young adulthood that you're not allowed to have these complicated feelings because it really didn't affect you all that much. And now that's all coming back home to roost which is why we should just let kids feel feelings because (laughs) then you don't end up stabbing somebody on your mother's expensive carpet and having to hide a murder.
0: Yeah. And although she was the younger sister, maybe she felt like she had to put on a brave face for Malcolm mm-hmm. because seeing how it affected him so much as a kid and Ainsley, like remember back in, I think episode seven, it was Q and a of season one where she's like, oh, well, you know, what you did to my, you know, what you did to Malcolm was he, now he has PTSD, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, you mm-hmm. know, panic, like all of these things. She was really like, I think she saw that for the majority of her childhood and, you know, adulthood is how much martin's crimes and their relationship really affected him so i think like i said she's been putting on this brave face and Mm -hmm. really like pushing it down and now that she's been put in the situation it's come out in a way that she didn't expect
2: and she disassociated and that's with jessica too as well because she was also putting on a brave face for her mother right because when your brother needs so much love and care Mm -hmm. you know you kind of end up being the sibling who's like I'm fine I'm fine it's fine don't look right. at me I'm fine and you know even now that dynamic continues you see Ainsley kind of trying to protect Jessica in a lot of ways even with mm-hmm. the breakup with Gil like you see her kind of being like I'll be here and I'll be there for you um, so it's, it's just interesting to see how those dynamics now in light of what Ainsley did kind of look a little bit bad because in the first season you're like oh she's the devoted daughter she's like so Mm -hmm. supportive and she's so helpful of her brother and she's protective but then you're looking back at their childhood and thinking well wait has she been that way since she was five years old like like has she she had to take that burden
0: like she's taking care of him like although he's older Mm -hmm. and he's I mean he will obviously take care of her as we've seen with him covering it up but it's like she's been taking care of everyone too like she's the well-adjusted Whitley so she's got to stay well-adjusted but she doesn't get to break down you know She's kind of been the backbone.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Not that I condone murder, but I kind of liked Martin's point. Not that I wanted her to go start killing people, but the fact that he was sort of like, you need to let her be free and like live her life again, not condoning murder. But the idea of her having her own personality and having her own claim outside the family, right? because they all, their first instinct, Malcolm and Jessica is to go, well, let's just suppress this. And let's just never talk about it. And Martin's kind of like, well, why shouldn't she talk about it? She really accomplished something there. And it's not that it's not that I want her to go bragging about killing this guy. But, you know, just the idea that she somehow doesn't deserve to know this very, very deep and real part of her in Agreed. order for other people to be comfortable. That's just kind of a theme that's been running through her whole life. Yeah. And then something I wanted to put out there for discussion, I don't know what you guys think. But we've been talking about how throughout the episode, everyone's kind of been saying, oh, Ainsley's really competitive on that case. That must mean she's gonna snap any second now and kill another random passerby. Is Ainsley being more aggressive actually bad? Or is it just bad because of what we know that she did? Like if she hadn't killed somebody, would we still be having this discussion?
1: I think part of it is because she killed somebody and so knowing that she is capable of it even if she completely dissociates makes it seem like she's more eager to see a murder case because that part of her is like obviously come out, but I also think it's just her like part of it for her was clearly personal. So I think that was part of her drive to solve it is like, well, I went to this school, I knew these girls, I knew this woman, like, I want to solve this because this is something that I am personally attached to. So I think part of that, like, competitiveness is just her, I guess, sort of protecting those girls, even if she hadn't met them, because she knows what they have gone through at that school.
0: I think also going off of julia a little bit i think the audience's perspective has changed on ainsley because we know she killed somebody Mm -hmm. malcolm knows jessica knows so all of us are almost treating her differently if that makes sense we're watching every little move she makes oh she she did that thing or she she went to the debutante house alone you know Mm -hmm. she wanted to get the story so we're almost like pinpointing every little thing she does so I mean, Jules, your question is like so deep. It's like, wow, like, you know what I mean? Like, gets to the nature of
2: Ainsley Whitley, her
0: very core. (laughs) But I think it's all about perspective. You know, do we think that a woman that just is really good at her job and wants the story and being very determined and, you know, Mm. fearless, is that a bad thing? But again, she killed somebody. So it's, I think it's all about perspective at this point.
3: I think it also is kind of, topical as well if she was being really aggressive about a job promotion Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be as worrisome right but i think like malcolm as the audience we're worried her investigating a murder will bring up the memory of her committing a murder so we don't want her anywhere near it you know so i think it's more of what she's investigating not oh no she's being aggressive with this it's a bad thing it's the actual thing she's investigating does that make sense yeah yeah
0: and I think, too, because we saw that when Malcolm was in the house um, and Ainsley was pretending to be passed out from whatever was in the tea, which I'm so, so proud smart. of her from not drinking. Yes, ass, I was like, do That's you know what father is? <laughs> she's given her...
2: I, <laughs> not my girl, Joel. I know. I it really like, was, though. I was like, the second I saw her kind of, like, sort of sip it, I think I tweeted immediately. I was like, yes, <laughs> like, she's faking it.
0: <laughs> um, But we saw Ainsley, like, pick up, was it like a knife or like a, a shard of glass? I like a remember. little like I think it was like a letter opener. Okay. I thought. Well, she had and just her face changed like she was going to do it again. So her being that close almost put her right in the same situation where she could have been on the brink of death if she had drank the tea. So and if Martin, gosh dang it, if Malcolm didn't come, back day today, eighth time, eighth oh, times man, the dang charm. It, man. Um, if Malcolm didn't come to save the day, what would she have done in that situation?
3: Not to take the focus off of Ainsley, but I loved that when she's sneaking up behind Rachel, supposedly, I guess, to slit her throat, because that's the Ainsley way, apparently, now. (laughs) Malcolm still has a gun to his chest and switches from talking down the shooter to trying to talk down his sister. Are we seeing this from
2: Malcolm's perspective? Because so much of the show is from his perspective. So is he seeing Mm -hmm. her with the knife and he's going oh I got to talk her down because he's seeing the memory of that night with Endicott and what happened. Because honestly, if I was being trapped in a room with a woman who was willing to kill me I might pick up a knife for protection, just in case my brother couldn't talk the lady with the gun down. But because we know what she's capable of and we know what she's done to other people with knives, is that why we're seeing it that way? Or is it is it genuinely she has like this lust for murder?
3: I think they did it intentionally so that we would see it from his perspective because it was almost the exact same setup as what mm-hmm. happened with Endicott. It was a threatening person between them. She was the only one who could really get behind them to do anything about it. Malcolm was imminent in imminent danger again. And it just sort of, I feel like we were, they made us see it that way specifically so that we would understand he was talking her down now and not Rachel or both, probably both.
2: So now going into the last part of our podcast here, we got to talk about some theories because holy cow, did that trailer (laughs) pack a lot in? So first of all, to set the scene, a lot of the scenes that we saw in the trailer are potentially having taken place in Malcolm's mind. Um, Because we know that he falls down an elevator shaft and he starts having dreams of an alternate reality, which I can always get behind. But we saw so much stuff. So what do you guys want to start with? I mean, we we could talk about Brightwell. We could talk about Gil being in prison.
1: I mean, where do you guys want to start? We're going to start with Brightwell. Yes! Yes. (laughs) Because I think most of it for me is like, because I I know I was telling some of you this last night, is that I personally... um, have never shipped Malcolm and Danny romantically until that moment where I was like, Welcome oh, it's going to happen. I guess I have to ship it now. But I think it's like really interesting though. I feel like Danny is just so patient with Malcolm in a way that a lot of people aren't really willing to be, even though they're concerned about him. And like, obviously you've got to date the girl who is, you know, who like takes the time to, understand that you're going to wake up in a panic and knock you down in the middle of a a police precinct. And like, I just think their chemistry is so well matched that like, obviously, they're going to kiss in Malcolm's weird, hallucinatory state. And then obviously, they're going to realize they like each other and they'll kiss for real, and it'll be fine.
3: That's what I hope too. I really hope they're going to use it as like fuel. He's going to wake up and be like, "Oh, this is this is interesting. Let's let's look at this. Why would I want to kiss her in my dreams?" It's because I like her. And maybe well, I mean, he's not exactly in the place to be pursuing a serious relationship
2: with dating anybody. But
3: if, but if to anyone could tolerate his time him, off. If anyone could help him through it all, I feel like it would be Danny. Like she's been really tough, so I would like to see it, please.
0: <laughs> and we still never know what he was going to say to her ref- like while I he was, I-, I know. And so an episode, I believe it was 13, um, in it was called Wait and Hope, I believe. When he's holding the bomb, he's like, Gil, blah, 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 JT. And then Danny, never mind. I was like, oh, what was he going to say? What was he going to say? That's all I had to <laughs> say about that. <laughs> oh, and Brightwell, love it. Love it.
2: I got a soft spot in my heart from Maldresa. It's not a ship that will ever sail. And I have made my peace with that but I really do love them together. Um, But Brightwell is, I feel like it's become like the rallying cry for the fandom because that's all that I see is people who want this to happen. And I think it was particularly cruel of the writers to have them kiss for the first time in a dream sequence and not in a real life, but we'll have to see, who knows? Maybe that could lead to something more. Um, But another little clip that we saw from the promo is that Gil is now taking the place of Martin in Clarepot. Papa and, and what is a truly incredible wig from the wardrobe department
3: i cannot wait don't to forget see the beard action. and the beard it was amazing beard. all of it the look oh my god oh, just i don't I know mean. <laughs> it's, i mean i assume he's not like i don't understand i guess maybe malcolm will be visiting him as what like if martin was never a know. serial killer then how what is gill's relationship to him I'm very confused on that part of it, but just for the case, who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Seeing, seeing Lou play that role is going to be so fun. I cannot wait. You know,
0: I love Lou guys. And, and um, his wife actually tweeted it out and I was like, no, like be careful Yvonne. Like that's his (laughs) wife's name. I was like, not Papa Gil. (laughs) Like, no, I'm so interested because Gil, we know like, was mentioned before Brianna that you said he's a really pretty much calm cool collected besides with Malcolm really you know (laughs) when he's besides when he's reprimanding Malcolm but we haven't seen the side of him yet so even in an alternate reality so I'm really curious to see
2: how he how Lou does this and I'm just ecstatic I can't wait and the last little bit we got to talk about in that trailer is that the narration said something that I when you say it in relation to prodigal son it's it's I, I don't know what they could possibly do but the line was there's an ending you won't see coming and then we got a shot of what looked like not dream sequence because the the lighting was slightly different Mm -hmm. of Malcolm and Ainsley looking absolutely shocked at something what's going on (laughs) what are
3: they gonna do I watched it back and I don't think Ainsley is conscious at the end of that because he looks like he's holding her on the floor and like her eyes are not open I watched it back very slowly, many times <laughs> so I don't know if he's gonna like try and chloroform in this girl or what, but i I don't know or maybe she gets the memory back and it just well, maybe that so would make me pass out. out
0: maybe she's crying sometimes I cry with my eyes closed <laughs> yeah, but with your body <laughs> no, not I cough her back up. <laughs> Well, like, if she, if she, maybe if she found out what she did, she collapsed on the floor and he's holding her
2: when she's upset. could be upset. That's possible, you know. It's I it. hope I know. so. Because as this much as, like, me. you know, she's a killer and everything, I, like, also would protect her at all costs. And so it would really take kind of, it would take her turning into a serial killer for me to be, like, not on Team Ainsley. So, like, I hope she's okay. I'm worried about her. Maybe Ainsley. Maybe um, Ainsley. And... Episode 7 is
0: directed by Lou, so he gets to deal with the aftermath of whatever
2: happens in episode 6, so I'm so excited. Oh my god. I don't know, the Fox promo editing team, on this particular promo, I was like, what? What do you mean I can't watch this episode immediately? What do you mean I have to wait for another week to get to this episode? i, oh
3: my I Lord. almost felt like the trailer overshadowed the episode we just watched because there was so much like mind-blowing wow. and then they end it with the bright well wow. kiss and you're like well what did i just see what did i just see <laughs> you're like what episode I'm What immediately even though the episode was
0: fantastic but we were all freaking out oh, when yeah all that we were like "What?" <laughs> all of our dreams you
2: can't were- throw a trailer like that and then expect us to just immediately pay attention to what happened before it's like what excuse me
3: this will be about halfway through what is going to be this season and we're getting a week's break so I kind of wonder if maybe Ainsley will get the memory back and that will be the cliffhanger for two weeks while we wait for the next one and then episode seven is also when Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to show up so I don't know
2: so diabolical to leave us for two weeks on a cliffhanger like
3: that it's gonna be awful
0: And I saw in a picture. I don't know who posted it. I think it was Frank Hartz. Um, He posted a picture with Alan Cumming, um, with you know Tom Payne and and Lou Diamond Phillips, all of them in like one picture. So he's coming up pretty soon here too. So um, Tom Payne with the awesome background picture on
3: that. (laughs) He's so pixelated.
0: (laughs) The Nerds Beyond (laughs) chat is having fun with that. So if you know. know.
1: Head into the camera from way back in that room
3: <laughs> you know that they got his attention for that I was like well you have to be in that box so
1: smile
2: i feel like our chat has been going crazy this week with tom Payne related posts because between that and i don't know if you guys haven't seen yet it's up on nerds and beyond now but tom Payne did read thirst tweets for buzzfeed oh, no which has been something that i'm sure the fandom has been asking for for a long time Um, But he sort of slightly hinted that maybe he's doing some kind of project with Harry Styles. And now it's all I can think about. And I don't think I'm (laughs) alone. So I really hope that we get an announcement on that front soon. I'm just going to manifest it right now. Um, But yeah, you should check it out. It's up on the website now. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the episode? Any final theories you want to share? Again,
0: I loved it. Another great episode. Um, I'm glad that we saw more of Ainsley's childhood. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what more they reveal to us coming up
3: soon. There was one small moment that we didn't talk about, <laughs> but it made my heart very happy. And it was the fact that Jessica was telling Gil that she went to talk to Martin and he was so upset about it that she would go to him and not come talk to him, even with their you know fight or whatever's happening, that you could just see the hurt mm-hmm. and then he walks off and flirts with her. And it's like, he okay. her. <laughs> is he trying to mend it? And there's a chance? Or is it just like, it softened him to like, I don't want to drive her back to this maniac. At least come talk to me. Like we might not be cool in a relationship, but I'm still here for you. So I felt like that was important.
0: I feel like this supports my theory that Jessica confides in Gil. I'm just going to put it out there. I
2: was thinking of Kaylee the entire time that scene was happening because we yes. literally just had a conversation about whether Jessica would be able to keep the secret and she's slowly proving that she will clearly not be able to keep the secret because if we're what one one day removed she already
0: talked to Martin about it well because I think he already knew so well, Martin she was already revealing. knew yeah I don't think she was like revealing like hey guess what our kids did <laughs> I, mean, I Martin, don't know because she's
3: so, so proud I feel like she didn't know that he knew when she went in there at first. Because No, he, she knew. He,
2: she knew because didn't so? Malcolm tell her? Didn't Malcolm say dad knows like when they were having that conversation about it? I, don't I thought that that's why she went to him.
3: I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like so, like, so much uh-oh. happens. I was trying to remember the conversation, but that was two weeks ago.
0: <laughs> Make sure to uh, tweet us at call for backup pod. If you have any favorite moments that we missed, uh, let us know.
2: And now it is time for a little segment that we like to call the Malcolm Danger Count.
3: Warning, warning, Malcolm Danger.
2: Where we go over the many uh, bad decisions made by our favorite profiler, Malcolm Bright. And this week we have a few interesting ones. Um, We have some straight danger count moments. We have one honorable mention. And then we have an Ainsley danger count. Because she had a lot going on this episode multiple danger points you know it wasn't just Malcolm this week this it was a true sibling rivalry right who could put themselves (laughs) in the most danger competitive game competitive danger count here um so just to remind everybody where we're at in the season so far so up until this episode the count is 12 um which is pretty impressive (laughs) for the number of episodes that we have this being the fifth episode I'm scared (laughs) yeah So we have two official danger counts tonight. So our two official ones, the first comes at the end of the episode in the scene with Rachel, where once again, we walk straight into a room with the killer pointing a gun at you and trying to talk it down. I mean, sure, Malcolm usually does talk down pretty effectively, but (laughs)
0: still. He wasn't just talking her down. He was talking Ainsley down too with her surreal color eyes. (laughs) Serial killer. Well, her like face changed too. I we kind of mentioned. I kind of mentioned that in our discussion portion of this Mm -hmm. episode. But like he was like Brianna said, he was kind of talking her down too. But yeah, obviously danger for Malcolm and Ainsley. I would say.
2: Yeah, definitely danger of following in her father's footsteps. That is. She was in danger both obviously and not obviously in that moment. Right. Um, and then our second official danger count, similar scene, is that gas explosion. Oh, Again, yeah. it's it's not fully their fault because how how were they supposed to know that she wanted to blow the house up? But mm-hmm. that's what you get when you run into any situation without backup is the potential for a creepy old lady to right. literally use the gas lance to set the place ablaze. So that's two for this episode
3: mm-hmm. with
2: an honorable mention going to earlier in the episode, when he is expressly told not to go down a hallway. So expressly. And immediately, immediately walks down
0: the hallway. He's like, I'll just let myself in.
2: <laughs> I'll just scoot. Yeah, I'll, I'll just head in. down
0: there. <laughs> down the hallway. I even tweeted out, I was like, and I think, actually, I think Prodigal either liked it or retweeted it, I don't remember, like the official uh, Prodigal Son uh, Twitter account, but it was like, Lady explicitly says, you know, this is not for guests, you know, you can't enter. And he just scoots on in. I'm like, is that like just a yep. a big sign that says ignore whatever I say that has to do with following directions? <laughs> just like just like lights and all. Like I, I don't get his I don't know. Oh, kills me. Kills me. You're
2: you're already in an insanely creepy house because right. I mean, and again, props to the production design team because They must have had so much fun looking up every creepy doll that they could possibly find. Oh, yeah, for sure. That whole house was just designed to be sketchy. Mm -hmm. And then that hallway especially is almost fully dark. She stopped in her tracks to tell him not to go down the hallway. So, like, clearly that's where the bodies are buried. And he's like, yep, no, I'm just going to follow right after her. Like, not a thought in his mind. And not even in that situation, he didn't even call for backup. It's almost a full-fledged count. But because nothing eventually happened to him, we'll say it's just an honorable mention. Yeah. And then making its debut, I don't think we've actually had an Ainsley danger count before. Not but technically. Well, like with the junk card killer, when he like
0: hit her with the, you know, when she got hurt, but that, te- yeah. I don't know, it was kind of not her fault. Like she
2: didn't go in there. Like he was already there. The yeah, house. she was, she wasn't looking right. for it, you know, right. it wasn't, it wasn't really her fault. Yeah. But so this, this week was, we had to have an Ainsley, Ainsley danger count because what the heck? You right into the charm school you don't tell anyone where you are you just kind of hope that your instinct is right and that you're not going to get roofied by sipping this drink and of course we know that she knew that the drink was drugged and that she was faking it to kind of play along with what was going on but come on call for
0: backup i know like even text malcolm like hey i even maybe even like her theory but i think she wanted to get the story first um, like when she found the body was like, this is mm-hmm. Ainsley Whitley, you know, on the scene of the crime, I'm not going to show the lady's face, but I'm here and i am got the exclusive and they're like, what the heck is this? Um, I think she wanted to get the story first and it was kind of about being competitive. I think that's why she didn't call for backup, but I'm like, Ainsley, is it really worth your life? Like, what if she didn't just roof you? What if she just knocked you over the head with the
2: plate or with a doll or with, I don't know, with her gun? Exactly. You know what I no. mean? No. Like, like she totally put her to herself me. in danger come on girlfriend you gotta stop with this that. nonsense
0: <laughs> we just need to have like a presentation with the whole whitley family and just like listen like gill just like sponsored st- by gill lieutenant Gil arroyo call for backup like a psa <laughs> We're, like
2: playing like it's just all their phone numbers it has jt's number it has <laughs> gill's number it has like the nypd like front desk number they're like these are the people you can call Please call them. Just somebody,
0: like put it in an email, forward it. I don't know, put a chain email. I don't care. Just call
2: her back <laughs> up some somehow, please. And like we said, in fact, this week he did sort of, kind of call for backup because he mm-hmm. did text to let people know where he was. But it's the waiting for backup that's no. really key. We you can't just keep now. going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's wrong with the Whitley slash Brights. Um, they just want to get the story or or figure out or you
2: know solve the murder so mm-hmm. they're like ah they'll come eventually
3: you know no <laughs> so.
2: and if you have any other moments that you think we missed for our danger count or you have any thoughts on the ones that we did include you can tweet us we are at call Four, the number four backup pod on twitter and we would love to hear your thoughts
0: As a party note for our podcast, we'll be ending every episode with a motivational affirmation or quote that hopefully inspires you as you start your weekend. This week's quote is, A man's manners are a mirror in which he shows his portrait. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Remember, prodigies, if you plan on getting the scoop for your breaking news story and you happen to find yourself with the serial killer who spikes tea, like someone else we know, and is all obsessed, don't be like Ainsley and call for backup. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check back next week for another episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on our brand new Twitter account at call for backup pod. That's call the number four backup pod. Tag us and let us know your thoughts on the episode. And as always follow us at Nerds to Beyond for all of your nerdy news.